Oh boy. Oh, brother. Well, local sports fans, we had our first hat trick of the season. Tulane lost. LSU lost. And Coach O fashion. And the Saints blow a fourth quarter, double digit fourth quarter lead, less than nine minutes to play in possession of the ball. They lost. This is going to be a sad one, folks. It's going to be a sad one. Mm-mm-mm. This was Anno Football. Be right back. Welcome back to Fazan on Football. This is the Fazan on Football podcast coming at you weekly on the Anchor Podcast Network, also Spotify, Google, and other podcast platforms out there. Well, when the Jazz, some of you old timers remember when the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, was once the New Orleans Jazz, and they had a play by play guy called, his name was Hot Rod Hunley. And if a uh, if a player back then, if you uh, if you did a if you took a shot, let's say you you, you shot, you got following a three point shot. I don't know why I can't talk. So you get three you get three free throws. You missed all three. You call it a hat trick. Well, in hockey, a hat trick is a good thing, but in basketball, it's not. And now the Saints have pulled the Saints, the Green Wave, and the LSU Tigers have pulled the hat trick early on in the season. Uh, the first one of the year. Um, maybe not the last one, judging by how they all played. So uh, I guess we'll start off with Tulane. Tulane, I predicted, would go to East Carolina and beat the Pirates because that's what Tulane does usually. And uh, usual two-lane season, they'll have a great game, riding high. They'll come back with a stinker, Rooney. Then maybe another one. Then you're like, oh, man, Tulane's done. And then it'll be the Houston or an East Carolina or uh, Central Florida, Tulsa, or somebody. Well, they didn't even come close. They gave up 50-plus points. They scored some garbage touchdowns. They go to East Carolina. And now Willie Fritz's coach, Coach Willie Fritz's Green Wave is looking at one and four with a victory over a CYO team. Not looking good. Now, I said last week that it may be time to move on from Coach Fritz. And I'm going to say it again this week. It may be time to move on from Coach Fritz. He's a great guy. But he's a little long in the tooth. He's 61, makes $2 million a year. You're paying $2 million a year for that. I know it's not a lot compared to what some SEC coaches make, but you're coaching Tulane in a minor conference, and you're making $2 million a year. You need to be better. You need to be better. You need to have a better product on the field. And Tulane just doesn't – they don't. They're not even plateauing. They're now, I mean, they're regressing. I mean, they had a lot of promise going into this season. 
So now you have the Houston Cougars coming up this week. And boy, oh boy, I don't know. Maybe Tulane beats Houston. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm gonna. I'm not gonna pick them to win. I know that much. <laughs> I know that much. Um, I texted a friend of mine. Tulane needs to move off Fritz. For who? Two question marks. I'm like, for who? Anybody? How about somebody that can come in and shoot some life into this program? Spark some life. How about a young Hugh Freeze who went up to Ole Miss and did what he did? Uh, there are players, there are coaches out there. Hugh Freeze is at Liberty now. He's doing a real good job. How about somebody from Coastal Carolina who's gone out and built the program? How about one of his assistants? Somebody help. Help is needed on Willow Street because the green wave is fading fast and I'm afraid Tulane, the only thing about Tulane is they honor contracts. So I don't know how many years left Fritz has on his deal, but for the most part, they'll see a contract through and then not re and either let it expire or, and move on. Or the coach, the coach has success and he moves on. So having said all that, I'm not much to talk about the game. It was over really after the first quarter. And uh, it got worse and worse. Tulane tried to mount some kind of a comeback. They made a couple of touchdowns early in the second half. But, I mean, uh, it was over with. They weren't stopping anybody. And uh, so, I mean, it is what it is, as they say. And it ain't much at Tulane these days. All right. Coming up. Oh, at the postmortem on the LSU gift to Auburn this past Saturday. And I do mean gift. Be right back. Welcome back to Fazano Football. This is Mike Fazan coming on you. Now we're going to talk about dead coach walking. Unless Coach Ogeron can pull a miracle out of his derriere, there's a French word for that, and I can't remember what it is, a Cajun word for it. Ah, I wish I knew. I wish I could remember it. Anyway. And either run the table or beat and or beat Alabama, which running the table would beat Alabama. That's the only way he saves his job. That's the only way. I mean, they're already talking already in Baton Rouge talking about possible replacements. Um, and the names, I'm sure if you're listening to this, then you've pretty much dialed into the college of pro football scene. You know the names out there. It's funny how Urban Meyer is all of a sudden in hot water in Jacksonville just a little couple weeks after the USC job became available. 
and the LSU job's going to be open. Huh. Huh. All of a sudden, he's, he's video dancing with, I guess, a stripper. And instead of flying home with the team after they lost to Cincinnati. Huh. Somehow that video made it to Twitter, which made it to the Jacksonville front office. And apparently all the players and front office are upset with old Urban, and he may be losing his job just in time for the USC opening and possible LSU opening to occur. I think a little self-sabotage was going on there. I think Herb wants to get back into the college ranks, and instead of walking out on a team, he's going to get himself fired. That's just me. Who knows? But that's just me playing Dom Store psychologist. But getting back to psychology, let's go talk to LSU offensive coordinator Jake Peets. What the hell are you trying to prove by changing the play 27 times before the ball snap? You're confusing your quarterback. You're confusing your offense. You're confusing the fans in the stands. You're confusing people trying to watch it. And you're confusing the freaking football announcers on TV trying to figure out what the hell you're doing. It looks Bush League, man. It looks Bush. Jake Peets is in way, way, way over his head. He can't adjust to adjustments. He can't make counter-adjustments. LSU comes out, they move in the ball up and down the field in the first half via the pass, mind you, not the run. Auburn, Derek Mason, former Vanderbilt head coach, excellent defensive coordinator, flirted with the LSU defensive coordinator position, took the Auburn job, made some adjustments, basic adjustments, this is what you do in the SEC. Jake Peets had no answer. Had no answer. Had no answer. And what are you doing? Still running the RPO offense after teams have made adjustments. And what are you doing sending multiple receivers out in the RPO offense? RPO stands for run, pass, option. Run, pass, option. You can't run the ball, Jake. Y'all can't run. The offensive line is laughably bad, astonishingly bad for anybody's standards, much less LSU, who built a pretty good reputation on being able to run the ball, at least run block. And you're running an RPO. Okay, so you know threat to run the ball, so I'm going to fake the run, read the linebacker, and throw the ball anyway. Linebacker who is not even worried that you're even going to run the ball. This is just an, uh, an example of the amount of depth, the, uh, the how deep Jake Peets is in over his head right now. He's the offense coordinator at LSU, in case you didn't know. Mind-boggling. Absolutely mind And Ogeron can't – look, he's the CEO, right? Oh, I don't know. I'm just the CEO. I had the best defense and offense coordinator country. I let him go. I'm the CEO. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You brought him in, coach. You can't keep saying, oh, I don't coach the offense. I'm just a CEO. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. It doesn't work like that. You're the head coach. Falls on you. 
Don't complain to the media in the press conference after about changing the play, about saying, look, we need to just run the play we're called. No, no. That should be said during the week. That should be said. Uh, uh, I'm just thinking after the UCLA game, Ogeron sat in his coach's office in his chair, put his head in his hands and thought, my God, what the hell have I got myself into? Defensive coordinator's done a fine job. Durante Jones has learned from his error or learned from his mistakes against UCLA, improved against McNeese, improved, improved against, you know, every, every game since he's improved. Mississippi State, I thought he had a really good game plan against Mississippi State. And I think they, they executed it almost to perfection. Auburn, he had a really good game plan. Auburn, he ran out of gas. They ran out of gas. How many times can you keep coming in from a three and out against an SEC, quality SEC opponent and protect the lead? You can't. I mean, they almost did it. They almost did it. But they ran out of gas, and Auburn took advantage. Bo Nix was running around like Fran Tarkington. He had the game of his life. In spite of him having such a great game, you still, LSU still had a lead late in the fourth quarter. All they had to do was get a stop. They couldn't get a stop. But you still had time. You still had time to, to come down and make a comeback. But you had no clue what you wanted to do. You had no clue, Jake Peets, none. You choked. You're a choker. You're a con man. You got no business being a coordinator anywhere, much less the SEC. No business. No business whatsoever. whatsoever. And I said it before, even on radio or on this podcast or another podcast, that Joe Brady didn't Joe Brady didn't recommend Jake Peets to LSU. Joe Brady got rid of Jake Peets. He got rid of Jake Peets. He knew what he had, and he knew he had to get him the hell away from him if he was going to bring in a Sam Donald and improve his play. Jake Peets had to go from Carolina. Who actually sent him? Oh, you need somebody, Coach O? Here you go. Take him. I don't want him. I don't need him. He's bad for me. I mean, I heard during spring and I heard during Fall campus. Oh, he's a high energy. He oh, he's running out there. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's blah blah blah. He can do this and he can do that. Ain't don't mean a hill of beans because when you get to that press box on game night, you can't call a play. You ain't worth a damn to anybody, to anybody. So guess what? That whole coaching staff will be looking for a job in the off season. I just hope whoever LSU hires retains Corey Raymond. And, I, and you know what? Durante Jones deserves a better fake because he is doing his part. Jake Peets is taking his whole team. Ed Ogeron, Durante Jones, he's taking them all down with him. All down. They all sinking. And it's because of Jake. So, I don't know. I mean, I can go on about what happened with LSU as far as the, the field on the field. But, man, if you watch the game, you know what happened. LSU came out great. Butte gets 100 yards in the first half, first quarter receiving. He got a couple. I don't even think he got any more after that. Maybe five more. Huh. 
man, I need a break. I'm going to come right back. I'm going to talk some more about this debacle at LSU. And welcome back to Fazan on Football. Mike Fazan here, host of Fazan on Football. It's a podcast. You know it's a podcast. I'm also on another podcast called Hot Off the Bench with Scott Craig, Billy Healy, and myself. And uh, we do it every week or so, whether Scott's on vacation or not. He happened to be on vacation the last two weeks, so... We'll be back next week after the Washington game. So we'll have three weeks to catch up on on that particular episode. All right, getting back to LSU. Uh, They have Kentucky this week. And here's the thing about Kentucky. See, I have a theory about lower-tier schools and coaching positions. Whenever... A job comes available at a big times program, and LSU is considered big time compared to a Kentucky football. That is, um, whenever there's a, an opening, people tend to look at the Kentuckys, the Mississippi States, the Ole Miss jobs as springboards to larger SEC schools such as Georgia, LSU, Florida, whatever. But my theory is this. It ain't hard, excuse my grandma, it's not difficult to be a good head coach at a Kentucky, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, even Arkansas. Because you win eight games a year at those particular schools, and a couple years you'd go to ten, maybe you only win seven, but you win bowl games every season. You win in eight, nine, ten games, seven games. Let's say it from a range to six to nine games every year out of Kentucky. They're going to build a statue for you. They're going to say, look at him. He's winning eight games. He won seven. He won nine. Now, if you only win eight games a year in LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, you're getting fired. I mean, that's just the way the standard is for each particular program. So my point is, Mark Stoops is the coach of Kentucky. He's got them playing competitively. They beat Florida last week, whose head coach came from a a smaller program in Mississippi State, smaller, a less uh, demanding, let's say, program than, say, Florida. See, when you've won a couple of national championships in the last 10, 15 years, now the fan base expects it every season. I mean, come on, you gave me success. I need it. I need it's like a heroin. It's like a feed. I need to feed off of that. So a lot of people saying, go out and get a Mark Stoops if you're going to get rid of uh, Ozier on LSU. And I'm thinking, and I'm saying, be careful what you wish for, because when you make that step up, you're going to make a step up in pay, and you're going to make a step up in pressure, and. Dan Mullen, ask Dan Mullen about pressure at Florida. <laughs> He's got two losses already. We are, we just in the first week of October. Jimbo Fisher, same thing, my guy. Uh, you left Florida State, 
um, which is pretty much on cruise control. And you went over to A&M, you got top dollar, but you're not getting top dollar results. So I'm just saying, if you're looking at the next LSU for next LSU head coach, you know, may, maybe that's not the answer necessarily. I say that while saying P.J. Flex been my guy all along, and here he is at Minnesota, kind of like the Kentucky of the Big Ten. So I guess it, it, it all depends on the person, but just because someone has success at a school like that doesn't mean it's going to translate in a larger program because of the pressure. Look at Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. So anyway, getting back to LSU-Kentucky this week, I said all that to say, It's going to be, you know, before the Auburn game was over, Scott texted me, Kentucky's going to kick LSU's ass this week. And uh, LSU was winning at the time, and I said, I don't think so. I think, uh, I said, no way. I mean, Kentucky's going to have a five-star hangover, big-time hangover. I mean, a program-defining win last week against Florida, there's no way on earth they can get back and had the same mindset going against LSU. You can't keep climbing that mountain and conquer it every week because emotionally, college, age, and the pros, it's tough. In college, it's even more difficult. So, And I'm not sure who Kentucky plays the week after LSU, but, I mean, if it's a, floor, if it's a Georgia or somebody, then, I mean, look, and LSU's, <laughs> LSU's a trap game. LSU has become the trap game now. Not so far they've dropped in the last two seasons. But uh, having said that, I, I, I don't know because now LSU just blew a fourth quarter lead, led the whole game until the end of the game, and lost. And emo- that's emotionally draining on a team as well. So Coach Ogeron said the offensive line had their best week of practice. So usually that means they're going to stink it up in the game. But So we'll see. Who's going to win out of LSU, Kentucky? Believe it or not, believe it or not, Kentucky gets caught flat from beating Florida, looking ahead to the next opponent. LSU's the trap game opponent. LSU's going to be Kentucky. There, I said it. With no no uh, running game, no offensive coordinator. But listen, ay ay ay, it's tough because, I mean, Kentucky's just going to have to be emotionally flat for LSU to beat them. And Mark Stoops, you think Derek Mason's a good defensive mind? Brother, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going up against Mark Stoops who can make adjustments on the fly. So we'll see what happens. I'm still picking LSU because I think it's a trap game for Kentucky. All right. All right. I'll be right back. Talk about Saints in the Hurricane Ida hangover. Be right back. Coming at you from his cell phone, broadcasting the podcast 
from the cell phone. Technology, man. You can't beat it. Technology. Alright, Saints. Um, so, Eric Asher mentioned this yesterday, and it, and it hit me like a bell, like a shot. And I think he's spot on. Saints had a little bit of a hangover. Let's call it a Hurricane Ida homecoming hangover. And I have to say, I was on the phone. I was doing. I was a guest on a, another show Saturday, and one of the hosts, George Peppers, he said the same thing. He said, "Watch out for this homecoming hangover." And it made me think. You know, the same thing happened. I think with Tulane with uh, UAB came out flat, sluggish, and before they knew it. Uh, the game had gotten away from them. Now, the Saints were playing an inferior opponent, an 0-3 team, and I know how much you say the words, hey, this team's better than 0-3. Hey, they lost by the field goal. Hey, they did, they did. Bottom line is they lost to some pretty, at least one, at least two poor teams and one decent team. And the one decent team that they lost to won by 14, beat them by 14. The other two, they lost two were poor teams that beat them on the last second field goal. So I don't care how much you, and it just goes to show you, professional athletes as well. I don't care how much. Wait a minute, something's going on. I'll be right back. Okay, sorry about that. And I'm back. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of technical difficulties. But anyway, what my point was, the Saints played the Giants who are 0-3, and I don't care who you are uh, on a human level. After being away for so long and finally getting home and get just having that uh, moment where you just, ah, finally I'm home, and, and draining all of that emotion, it's got to take its toll on you. And I think that's what happened to the Saints. Um, they were still suffering from that Hurricane Ida. Uh, well, I tell you, this Hurricane Ida has been one uh, biatch of a storm. <laughs> it continues to cause damage after being away for a month. Residual damage. Peripheral damage. I mean, because the Saints were finally home after being out in Texas for at least a month and having that homecoming hangover, I'm going to call it. And I think it's real. I think it's real. I think if the Saints, the problem was the Saints, if they were playing Tampa or Green Bay again or Seattle, this the, the opponent they played last week, would have gotten a lot more attention by the Saints. But since they were playing an 0-3 team, 0-3 team, and I know they, they say, oh, we didn't take them lightly. We knew they were 0-3, but they were tougher than whatever. They're lying. Okay, it's a lie. They took them lightly. It's a bald face lie. So I don't want to hear anybody say we didn't take them lightly because you did. And this is a pattern over 16 years of Sean Payton as the head coach. They continue, continue to take less comp competitive teams lightly. 
and especially coming off a good performance. So apparently during the week, Sean Payton put yo-yos in each player's locker to remind them not to be a yo-yo where you're up one minute down the next. Well, he put it in their head, and they already knew it, and they were a yo-yo team. I mean, listen, first half, should the game should have been over first half, first drive. But listen, you know, Sean Payton, take the three points, man. You make a, you have a good opening drive. It's fourth down. And I know you don't trust your field goal kicker, but at some point, you got to trust a kicker on your team to be able to kick a 50 or 45 to 50-yard field goal, which is what it would have been on the opening drive. Get some points, man. Get some points. You just kicked off. You just did a, a three and out. Your team's moving the ball. Or if you're going to go for it on fourth and three, how about trusting your quarterback a little bit? How about trusting your quarterback? You picked him. You picked him. He beat out the other guy. So for better or for worse, quit calling plays to protect him. He's your guy. Trust him. Roll with him. And sink or swim with him. A toss sweep on fourth and two or three to Alvin Kamara is not exactly surprising anybody. I mean, the first person the defense was looking for, without Jason Hill in the game, by the way, was Alvin Kamara. That's who they keyed on. And to his credit, he came within six inches of making the first down. And the game just kind of went like that in the first half. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a dogfight. A dogfight. You climb your way out. You get to, uh, let's see, actually... You're down 7 nothing because you're dominating. You try a 58-yard field goal as opposed to, like, a 48-yard field goal, which you passed up on. Same kicker. Go on, kick a 58-yard of my boy. I didn't trust you for a 48-yarder, but go ahead. Go ahead. I'm psyching them out. Anyway, uh, kick was kick had the distance. I was sitting right where the ball was coming to me off to the side a little bit. And, but it was wide, obviously. Very next play. Very next play. Giants who feast and live off the big play had one of their own. They had one. And they... Uh, I'm, and I'm back, folks. Apologies. The problem with doing your podcast on your cell phone is people call you right in the middle of it and cut you off. Or your cell phone drops the signal. So, anyway... What I was getting to is the Saints had their chances. Sean Payton needs to trust his quarterback. It's obvious he doesn't. Don't listen to what he says in the media. Don't listen to anything. Don't listen to Jameis Winston talking about it's not frustrating. Uh, it is. If you're the starting quarterback, if I'm your quarterback and you you pick me to I beat this guy out, trust me enough to use me. Trust me enough to use. Quit protecting me. It's not helping either one. The only way Winston gets better and better in this offense is to run the full offense and let him make a mistake and learn from it. It's the only way. Keep running Alvin Kamara left, Alvin Kamara right, Alvin Kamara at the middle. Okay, Taysom, come in. Power sweep right, power sweep right, power sweep right. Uh, it's not helping develop the quarterback that you yourself 
picked to win the starting job. So just a little advice from me. But the Saints had their chances. I mean, I know Paulson and Dable got picked on, uh, but they didn't come. The Saints pass rush was non-existent. And I don't care who you who's playing cornerback, unless your name is Deion Sanders or Daryl Green, you need a pass rush to help. You need a pass rush to give you cover, so to speak, because you can't cover a, a wide receiver in the NFL for as long as Paulson Adebo was asked to cover his guy. Uh, yeah, he had a blown coverage. Yeah, he got beat on a deep pass. Yeah, he didn't go after the fumble after the receiver fumbled it. Yeah, he made some mistakes and some mental breakdowns, but guess who made a huge mental breakdown? The guy that just got paid to be one of the highest-paid cornerbacks in the history of NFL. When he he failed to pick up one Shaquan Barkley and got burned for a touchdown. And I just said the words. I just said the words, and I promised myself I wouldn't say them anymore, but I said the words. Okay, you're up by 11. Less than eight minutes to play. The only thing you don't want here is a big play touchdown. If the Giants are going to score, make them eat up clock. And what happens? What happens? Supposedly, your best defensive player went to sleep. He took a nap, and Marshawn Lattimore got burned. So, uh, unless there was another blown coverage and he just happened to look like the one being burned, but I don't know. I see a guy running free, and I see another guy chasing him. To me, it looks like guy chasing him is the one that got burned so uh not good at all for the saints on that play um so i just think uh the the hangover situation is real and i also think that the saints really are not as good as they think they are right now. I mean, losing the Carolina Giants pretty much proves that. And until they can beat teams like that, they are not going to be, in my view, a good team. Now, having said all of that, September is a, is a month that the Saints usually have uh, issues with. They're trying to find their way, trying to feel themselves out, and um, they're trying to do things to see what, what their uh, identity is going to be. Now, it's unfortunate that they blew this game, and we all know what's going to happen because it happens every season now. It happens every season. You look back, you miss something by a game, either home field advantage, a first-round bye, um, a playoff spot, a home playoff spot, um, or a wild card playoff berth by one game. And you look back at that game that you had pretty much locked up and you let it get away. It happens every year. This is another trademark of a Sean Payton coach team. Uh, they take lesser opponents lightly and they blow a game they should have won and it comes back to bite them square in the ass. Right after. I mean, it's just something that that is part of a Sean Payton coach team. And it happens every season. So, all right. 
that was the Giants recap. We'll come right back and preview the big contest between the Saints and the Red, the Washington football team. Be right back. Welcome back to Zeno Football. Saints and Washington football team, now affectionately known as WFT. Um, what about the Saints and this team, this Washington team? This has been a team that even in Washington's subpar seasons, the Saints have had trouble with. I mean, I'll go back to 2017. I was I was at that game in the Superdome with a buddy of mine. We actually left, and the Saints pulled it out at the end um, in overtime. And going back to the 2009 Super Bowl season, the Saints were undefeated. They go into Washington, who I don't know even had maybe one or two wins that game, or two and ten or something. Saints needed a missed like 30-yard field goal to get the ball to drive in, to tie the game, win the toss, and then win in overtime. All the years, the Saints have just gotten their asses kicked in Washington. I mean, brutally beat. Brutal. Uh, embarrassed. So, usually what happens, now on Monday night when Breeze, when Breeze broke the record for uh, career passing yards, was against the Redskins, and that was the Saints on Monday night at home with Drew Breeze. You're not beating that. You're not winning that game if you're the opponent. Unless you get a miracle, unless you get the worst call in the history of sports called in your favor, which is what happened uh, in the Rams NFC Championship game. So having said all of that, the Saints go to Washington. Uh, they play a Washington football team. Taylor Heineke is not as bad as you may think. Just because he's under the radar doesn't mean he's not good. Uh, he's a good quarterback. Uh, Washington's got a good scheme. They got a good defense. Not great, but good. But good enough to to handle a Saints game that is heavy on the run right now. So relying pretty much mostly on the run, not even tr- trying to get Jameis Winston to win the game for him. Sean Payton keeps calling plays to protect Winston. And uh, as I said in my first segment, he'll never learn the offense like that. So I'm going to say Saints coming off uh, a downward spin of the yo-yo. This should be the upward spin. A week before the bye, uh, go to Washington. Now, coming out of the bye, I think they have Tampa at home. So... This is not an easy situation. You can't go to Washington and lose going into the bye. First of all, no team wants to lose going into a bye week. Second of all, you go to your draft to two and three, and you got Washington, Seattle coming up. Tampa Bay, Seattle coming up. <laughs> yeah, your season gets away from you quick if you lose this game. You go from two and three to two and four to two and five, and I'm, because you go to Seattle, I think, on a Monday night or a Sunday night. And that's not a place you want to be if you're reeling. 
uh, coming off a possible two-game losing streak. Having said all that, and Washington's tight end, Logan Thomas, is out. He won't play. Um, it's going to be difficult, I think. For the, I think the Saints defense is going to be on hyper alert. I think they know they let one slip away. I think they know now that Drew, uh, Drew Brees is gone and Jameis Winston is the quarterback and their head coach does not trust the quarterback to win the game for them, they know that they have to be the reason they win or the reason they don't lose. And even though they didn't get any help from the Saints offense against the Giants, they were on the field. And that fourth quarter, they let the big play happen, Barkley. They let the Giants drive down and tie. They let the Giants in overtime drive down and get the winning touchdown. And the Saints didn't even see the ball. Uh, I mean, they saw the ball, but they didn't get a chance to even get on offense in overtime. The Giants came down and scored a touchdown. I think they have more pride in that. I think they're going to come out and be hyper-focused and ready to play. And this is a win week. You know, you win one week, you lose the next. You win one week, you lose the next. So this is like a win week for them. And I'm going to pick the Saints to go into Washington and do what they haven't done since 2009, I believe, and that's a win in Washington, D.C. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of Hosanna on Football. You can catch this podcast. You can pick it up on Anchor. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on just about any podcast platform out there. Until next week, this is Mike Hosanna saying I'll see you. Oh, wait, did I pick the LSU game? I picked LSU. Uh, yeah, I think I picked LSU to win. And um, so, Tulane's off. I'm not sure if Tulane's off or not. Let me see real quick. Because, I mean, why even worry about Oh, no, Tulane's off. They play on Thursday night. They play Houston. Bye. They're going to lose. They're going to get their asses kicked. So, Tulane's lie continues. LSU will right the ship against a flat Kentucky. Not right the ship, but they'll get an upset victory against Kentucky. When's the last time you heard that? LSU upsets Kentucky football. And I think I think the Saints regroup and go into Washington and get that win before the bye week and then come out after the bye and Michael Thomas and David Anyamata are back. And hopefully Will Lutz will be back as well. All right. Have a good one, everybody. See you next time. Talk to you soon.